What's happening, Heartscapers? This is episode 171 of the How to Heartscape podcast, where we talk about how you can start and grow your hardscaping business. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Cycle CPA. If you need CFO services, accounting, bookkeeping, whatever it might be to take control of the numbers in your business, check out Cycle CPA at cyclecpa.com. Mention the How to Hardscape podcast, get $200 off. And on today's episode, we are honored to have the stars of the Not Our Finest Hour podcast, both Mike from Paver King and Chad from Natural Design Landscapes or The Landscape Daddy on the show to just talk about questions that came in through Instagram. So if you ask a question, we were able to ask them it on air today for this episode, as well as at the end of this episode, we have a Not Our Finest Hour segment pulled from one of our episodes coming up. So we get a sneak peek, 10 minute sneak peek of a Not Our Finest Hour episode, and it is a good one. So be sure to tune in to the end of the episode to get a sneak peek on the Not Our Finest Hour podcast. And if you are not subscribed to that podcast just yet please go over to spotify apple Podcasts. check that podcast out each friday and sometimes saturdays we have an episode being dropped just the three of us here talking about things that happen in our week other landscaping topics and just really anything that comes up in conversation truly no holding back and just three hardscapers landscapers sitting down and chatting for an hour that being said this episode and those episodes are explicit so please do keep that in mind when listening to this episode as well as any not our finest hour podcast episodes so without further ado let's get into today's episode. Today, we're joined by two returning guests from the How to Hardscape podcast, as well as two of the stars of the Not Our Finest Hour podcast. So I'm happy to have these two with me today. We've got Mike from Paver King. Mike, thank you so much for joining us here. Thanks for having me on, Mike. And then we've got Chad. Go ahead. We got two Mikes, one Chad. Two Mikes, one Chad. That was another... uh, (laughs) Title for the Not Our Finest Hour podcast, Two Mics, One Chad, which we got Chad also from, uh, Chad, is it the Landscape Daddy or Natural Design Landscapes? You can find me at both because uh, I have two personalities now, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, guys, I really do appreciate you joining me here for the How to Hardscape podcast. And the reason why we're having this episode is to not just have these guys on the show, which is always a privilege to have you guys on the show uh, through our I'm a Hardscaper interviews, roundtable interviews, as well as our roundtable rallies, but to also spread awareness of this new podcast that we've got going, the Not Our Finest Hour podcast. And to kick things off, uh, we figured that we would just ask the How to Hardscape and everybody in the community questions that we could ask these two stars of the Not Our Finest Hour podcast. So we've got many different questions to get through here today. And starting with this one here in reference to the Not Our Finest Hour podcast and specifically directed to Mike. Mike, perfect. audio needs an upgrade. Made it hard to listen, to be honest. When is the audio being upgraded on your end, Mike? Uh, the audio seems to have been up. I feel like the audio has been upgraded right now. I think on the fourth episode, the audio gets upgraded. But my... Um, internet connection sucks. So, you know, I also feel, I, I agree that it's hard to, it's hard to listen to anyways. 
never mind when the audio sucks. It's challenging to listen to to begin with. So I appreciate someone sticking it out and toughing it out for the first three episodes. Episode four, it should get better. And then episode five is where we hit our, our prime here. So hopefully uh, it continues to get better. Otherwise, we've hit our prime on episode number five here. And we do have a question for both of, or both of you guys here coming from New Leaf, Ottawa. And actually, he sent in a couple of different uh questions as well he's he's been sharing every episode of the not our finest hour podcast so new leaf ottawa thank you so much for being a listener and sticking through mike's poor audio of those first three episodes but new leaf audio asks sorry new leaf audio (laughs) frody when slipped there what has been the most cowboy landscape work you have ever seen and this was touched a little bit on i think the first episode where chad rips apart every kitchener landscaper hardscaper (laughs) work that there has ever been myself included (laughs) but what has been the most cowboy landscape work you guys have ever seen and i believe he asked the next question which is also while you guys think about that what is a landscape pet peeve that you recognize in the industry, whether that's local or something that you see on Instagram. So those two questions kind of go hand in hand here. Cowboy landscape work you've ever seen or landscape pet peeve that you see. Go for it, Chad. I was going to say, you take it away. You've seen tens of hundreds of more years of landscapes than I have. Uh, Landscape pet peeve is F-flow. I fucking hate it. I'm sorry. I hate it. It drives me insane. I know everyone's trying to normalize it and make it like it's like a normal thing. I have no use for it. It's pet peeve. I hate opening a bundle. You see it. Should I lay it? Is it going to go away? Is it not going to go away? Should I just throw away this $6 slab and say it's garbage because no one's going to return? I just hate it. It's everything about Eflo. It's my pet peeve. 100%. I'll bounce off that a little bit. Um, Mike doesn't like Eflo. I don't like uh, sand issues whether um, they are mine or not. I uh, really don't think they're mine a lot of the time, but um, we've had a couple jobs where sand didn't harden or it's a year old and uh, it's soft and it's coming out of the joints and we got to go back and pressure wash. Um, Not all the time, but uh, it seems that anytime we get a call back from a residential client, it's because um, of some sort of sand failure. Two great points to come across there, as well as I would just throw in my two cents here of pavers being used as caps. Ah, Seeing those spacer bars on the side there. And, oh, man, that really frustrates me to see personally. Uh, I guess I guess kind of separating these two questions and, and continuing what we just talked about there. What about cowboy landscape? Something that you've seen at a supplier, something that you've seen on the road that you think uh, does not meet road safety standards or anything like that that you've seen with cowboy landscaping. How about anything like that? Uh, so number one, cowboy landscaping is people who don't use tarps. Yeah. Yeah, like hundreds I, of dump trailers rolling around with like no tarp, mulch not tarped, or sand not tarped, or HPV. Anyways, like it's just like a, you know, it's it it's definitely like a cowboy look to not tarp your load. I mean, I feel like it's common decency, so that you're not smashing shit through people's windshields or whatever. I don't like. I think that's a, you know, I think that's a kind of a cowboy thing to be doing. Um, also, 
putting, you know, 10 yards of HPB in your three and a half ton dump trailer is towing behind your F-150. You know, those are some pretty cowboy moves out there on the road, I guess. I get that. Good points. Yeah. Um, I can't say offhand, I can recall something super cowboy. I'll go back to the running shoes on the job site thing um, or installing in like basketball shorts or something that just that to me, that's a cowboy. I mean, um, I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, whatever. If you're in basketball shorts and running shoes, um, the hardscape job site is not the place for you. I guess like a cowboy pet peeve move to me is, is all like, and it, it happens constantly. <laughs> I drive by job sites and guys are doing a driveway with 60 or 50 mil like slab pavers that don't meet the aspect ratio. Yeah. That happens like in our area at like, I bet half the driveways you drive by are like 60 mil blue or 60 mil beacon Hill or, or 50 mil Trevista. I've seen guys putting in driveways like, and they're way outside the aspect. And it's like, they just don't want to spend the extra dollar a square foot, which on a driveway that's a th- like what these people wouldn't pay a thousand bucks to get 80 mil stone. Like, I don't know, maybe it's a dollar 50. I don't know. I'm sure someone will type in some exact cost difference, but like it just, that drives me. That's like a cowboy thing that drives me nuts. It immediately tells me you don't know what you're doing. If you're putting a, a, like a slab paver like that at 60 mil in the driveway. I, I have so many stories about that. And this, this interview isn't about me, but that just cropped into my mind that, Working for a supplier, I had a client or a customer, retail customer come in and say that they wanted to buy 24 by 24 brick impression to use as their driveway. And I was letting them know that, no, you cannot do that. That doesn't, does not absolutely work. And they went ahead and made that purchase. And I just hope I, I come across that driveway someday in my life, because that would be really interesting to see how that turns out. Uh, moving on to the next question here. Designscape Ottawa asks, do you guys make the podcast seem like it has a no beginning or end just to mess with people? Or what is the reason behind the no intro, no outro podcast for not our finest hour? I can take that. Like, honestly, like we don't want to make it easy to listen to. We don't give a fuck if you listen or not. We don't really care. Like there is no, if you want something to be easy in life, Go listen to Joe Rogan. He's it's well, it's easy to listen to. Like we are, this is the hard, this is a hardscape podcast meant for hard people. Hard men, hard women are going to listen to this motherfucking podcast and it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. The audio is going to be terrible. You're not going to understand what I'm saying. You're going to have to listen to it twice. There is no beginning and there is no end. And if that's the kind of satisfaction you're looking for, it's just not the right place for you to be. But please keep listening. We appreciate it. <laughs> we really do. Uh, we appreciate every download. We're the 170th most downloaded business podcast in Canada, which is a really screwed up metric, but remember it. I have an update to that number when we get to that. But uh, <laughs> that being said, we do. If you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, there's no real definitive intro or outro besides saying hello and goodbye. I've never, I've never so, listened to it. That oh, is it. Okay, gotcha. If you listen so, to the Kid Contractor <laughs> podcast. There's a clear start and end. So there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> as well as the How to Hardscape podcast. So we're trying to also uh, appear like a legitimate podcast as well here. And uh, coming to our next question here, Pride underscore Hardscape asks. And getting to a little bit of value here, how do you schedule jobs more than a year out to start date? Do you book for that far out? 
do you have a sort of, and this is just me riffing on this question, do you have sort of a cutoff as to like what your backlog is or do you just continue to book, book, book? And then what does that look like when discussing that with the clients? Mm. Chad is a little bit different because so, you're working commercially mostly yeah. as well right there. So Mike yeah. and, and Chad, this will probably vary. I think that well. makes Chad's residential booking more interesting, to be honest. Yeah. Right? Because so, how, how are you, I've done it commercial and residential like so how did you how do you do it i'm interested so obviously for us commercial gets priority um you can't flex commercial timelines a lot of the time right they're waiting on either road to be open or 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 a million other things school to be open um those things are pretty fixed so i'll tell people uh we got a pretty jam-packed commercial schedule but um if you're willing to work with us we'll get you in as soon as we can um thankfully the last two years uh, the workload or everybody's workload has been so high that people just want it done. They don't care when they just want to be on the list. They don't care when it's getting done. Um, so that's worked in our, to our advantage. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes moving forward. Um, I've always been pretty fluid with our booking though, like, uh, because there are six or seven of us, um, we can split up and put three guys on commercial, three guys on a residential. And uh, basically it's whoever yells the loudest is whose job gets done next. I don't have a schedule at all. So like recently we had um, two of our four, like we have, we had a four man, four person residential crew and um, two of the guys moved on. So now we have a two person residential crew, which, um, the foreman was a little bit stressed about, but um, I just said, like, hey, man, like, I don't have a deposit from these people. I didn't make any promise that we'd ever do their job. Like, I I don't, I just tell people, like, listen, you're in the queue, and when we get to yours, we get to it. And I think this year there's going to be people that have to wait till next spring. But once you cross the boundary of September, what do people really care? <laughs> like, if you're first in April or you're last in December, like, I, I just, like, I... I think I'm just over the whole, I used to have a hard schedule and try to follow it to every minute. And now I'm just like, sign the, sign the contract, send it back to us the day before we start, send, send us, um, I think it's 25%. I I'm probably wrong. You'd have to ask Kelly. I know Jack about that end of the business, but uh, I think it's 25% the day before we start or we won't show up. Um, and then we start the job and we do it. And then whenever we're done, we're done. I, tell the guys that we're most important for us is um, customer satisfaction, a, a very, very high level of quality and that everyone on the crew gets along and has a good day at work. So I, the rest of it will fall into place. And if we find using that system that I'm not pricing high enough, I'll put the rates up. I don't, I don't, we don't enforce a timeline on our staff. We don't promise a timeline to our customers. Uh, we promise a high quality job and that they'll be satisfied when we leave the property. And so far that's worked. Um, but I didn't always have it that way. That's just, I guess the 50 year old way of doing things was not the 25 year old way. We don't work weekends. We don't work on long, like we don't work holidays. We don't like they're starting a job that's like sort of out of our district. I told them start at seven, work till four, go home. Make sure you're home in time for dinner with your family. I don't, the job takes a day longer. I don't care. Whatever is what it is. 
all of this is totally opposite to what everyone else preaches. I understand that. I was going to say, like everybody else <laughs> will tell you the exact opposite. We have a schedule and we have to be done by this time. And you have 14 hours and 15 minutes to get this done and three hours to do the sand and one and a quarter hours to do the edging. You, you, you don't get a high quality of work doing that. And all I care about is the highest quality of work. Like, and because if all you care about is the highest quality of work, you can charge whatever you want for it. People will pay anything for a Rolex. They'll only pay 300 bucks for an Apple watch because an Apple watch is cheap shit. So those are max they'll pay for it. But a Rolex, people will pay the initial price and then it'll go up in value after you take it home because it's a Rolex because Rolex didn't have a timeline to build that watch. Someone took their time, built it by hand. It's a very specific item. So that's how we run our business. We, we build Rolexes. Even if it's someone's little front walkway, that's like a hundred square foot front walkway with one step, it's built like a Rolex. And someone else might do it in six hours. It takes us two days, but it's built like a Rolex. Every piece of detail is paid attention to. That's, I'm not saying it's for everyone. It's, and I'm like, although everyone told me that social media was a total joke and I should never waste my time on it 10 years ago. So there you go. I was doing the opposite of whatever else was doing then. I always do the opposite of what everyone else does. But it also doesn't create any stress for me. Like, and, and say if I use that system and I have no stress and I get to the end of the year and I made $15,000 less because the guys took some time and did a really high quality of work and make sure our customers were satisfied, I don't give a f- about 15 grand in the grand scheme of things. It's no, that amount of money makes no difference to my life. What makes a difference is happy customers and happy staff. That makes a big difference in my life. $15,000 does nothing for me. It doesn't even buy a fucking buggy. No buggy life for 15 grand. I just want to take a break from today's episode to talk about our sponsor, Cycle CPA. You may have a CRM or project management software in place, but what data are you using to ensure your estimating is accurate? Having a proper accounting setup and accurate bookkeeping done is key to understanding overhead expenses and other costs that must be recouped in your estimates. Cycle CPA is a remote bookkeeping and CFO firm that helps to connect the dots from the financial reports to the hardscape and landscape data needed in order to reach high profits. They provide landscape and hardscape industry benchmarking, job costing financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA's team of accountants are specialized within the hardscape and landscape industry, and you can visit them at cyclecpa.com and for $200 off, mention the How to Hardscape podcast. Now back to our episode. So that, that brings up a lot of different questions that come into my mind personally, Mike, that you just talked about that. Uh, one thing that stuck out was you uh, don't do what necessarily everyone else is doing. And I've felt that with my life as well. Like when you do something, as long as that doesn't like, and, and exactly what you're talking about there, doesn't take down the quality. If you're doing what other other people are not doing, it tends to work out in the end. And, and with that being said, um, how long did it take for you to establish a reputation of not, you know, letting that quality go, of being a high quality company that allows you to charge for that high quality? How long did that take you to establish that reputation? Or did you have that reputation coming into kind of your, your previous experiences in starting Paver King? Uh, I think when we started this business, I already carried that kind of weight but you know we've been in 
a lot of catalogs and there's a lot of ways to make people understand the different level you're doing things at. I mean, our quote is incredibly intensive, intense. It lists every single thing we're doing, like every single thing we're supplying. It, it's definitely different than the napkin quote or the like, and honestly, we don't, I don't think we do a lot of like bidding against other people anymore. I think that I don't think I, I was in that situation a long time ago, but I don't think I've been in that situation for a while. And now generally if I am, I just tell them to hire the other guy. I'm good. I've never sat at home a day in my life. I've worked every day. Hire the other guy. I'm cool with that. I hope you're happy. I hope your project works out for you. I hope it's good for your family to hire the other guy or woman, whoever it is. Like I, I just, I think it's how you carry yourself, how, what level you're willing to explain what you're doing. You know, I know, I know some young guys that have an incredible rep for quality in our area, and that's because they take the time to explain every single thing they're going to do. Yeah. If you want to have a shitty sales process where you literally just send a total is $10,000 in an email and not explain every, anything, then, and that's the business you want to run, I respect that. That's great. But you make may, way more money with a pen than you ever will with a shovel. You cannot shovel your way to a good price, no matter what you can do. You have a shitty price. It's a shitty price, no matter what. I know I've said that on this podcast like a hundred times before, so it's like not new advice, but it is solid advice. You can't shovel. It's not, well, you can't shovel your way to a good price. You can't price something at ten grand that should have been fifteen grand and say, "Oh, we're going to do it really fast, man. It's going to be great. Everything's going to go perfectly. We're making to make lots of money." You just then it becomes a little quality. Customers are pissed off. It ends up taking longer. You end up losing more than you would have done if you'd just done a good quality job. I mean, I've fucked up prices. It didn't affect how we did the job. That's another thing. I've, I fuck up tons of shit. I did, I've done it this year several times. <laughs> like, I just busy or not paying attention or missed something. Like I, I'm not, but it didn't affect how the job was completed. You know, on that, on the Not Our Finest Hour podcast, we talk about the amount of barbecue tops i've bought this year because that was a total <laughs> show like I, it it was the right decision to buy a two thousand dollar barbecue top to fix the, the thing that got fucked up in the customer's eyes so that's what we did cost me two grand okay well it still was right and i there was no stress on the installer there was no stress on us there was it's two grand okay whatever like i get there's people that stress about it and they're going to be way richer than me and if they think that that's what leads them to have a better life is to have way more money than me, then I I'm happy for them. It's just not what I believe. Like I, if, if I had $50,000 less at the end of the year, but every customer was happy and every staff member was happy and everything went well and everyone was enjoying their lives. I don't care about 50 grand as long as our bills are paid. I mean, I don't want to like say that. And then we're you know, like, we're losing our fucking house. But like if our bills are paid and our and Kelly and I's salaries are paid and our kids are having a good life and can do the things they want to do, I don't like whatever. Like, I, would I rather have fifty grand? Yeah, but I'm not going to be all stressed out about it. I did that once in my life. It sucks. It sucks to yell at people and treat people like garbage to try and get them to go faster and adhere to some crazy yeah. timeline on some fucking app. It sucks. It sucks. I've done it. I don't will we'll never do it again. If it works for your business, it, if you want your guys to check in and out on every single thing they can do on an app. I'm happy for you. It's just never going to be me. It's not my personality. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. I'm not doing it. But that th your business is probably better run. And when you go to the bank, you'll probably do better than I will with the bank, but whatever. <laughs> we seem to be doing okay. I do have a, a follow-up question to you, Chad, about what you said earlier with 
uh, your your hours that you have implemented for different tasks sort of thing. Uh, but I do kind of want to stick on uh, one other thing that Mike here said, as well as maybe I even ask this question to Chad. What is that cutoff where, Mike, you said, um, hey, if it's the right thing to do in the client's eyes, in my eyes, like that $2,000 barbecue top is is nothing, right? It, it just makes sense. It just It's the right thing to do. What about if you feel like you're in the right and the client thinks that they're in the right, what's that dollar amount cutoff where you're like, you know what, like this client is just going to take me uh, for, for everything I am that if I don't stick my foot in the, in the sand now, uh, they're just going to continue to peck away at different things. Do you have like a dollar amount cutoff? Is it, I'm, I'm sure it's more so about like the client and feeling them out, but where is that cutoff for you? Or if you can explain sort of your, your process with kind of understanding the clients a little bit more in determining like what that, that, that dollar amount would be. Oh, that's tough. And it's a tough, um, tough question. If, so for me, um, I think in a situation like that, I can't say I've ever really been in it, but to me, the best thing for me, for the business, for the client is to make them happy and get out of there. Um, as quickly as possible and to get in another position where I can be profitable on another job. Right. So I'll, I don't know if you want to put a dollar amount to it, like, Oh, I don't know. How much can you screw up in your estimating to not account for something major? Like, are we talking about a $5,000 wall? Um, Are we talking about, uh, they thought you were putting in a grill island whenever you were putting in uh, a garden wall or something, right? Like I don't, I don't know. So here, I'll, so I have an example from last year. Which, so last year I was standing in a back. Like we have in our contracts, we have nothing to do with electrical, nothing to do with gas, especially when it's around a pool. I don't want shit all to do with it. It's not my problem. I didn't. Anyways, in the contract, he specifically states we have nothing to do with electrical. I was standing in the middle of the backyard and the electrician, who was a friend of mine, who was just like, was doing some electrical work for me on the property. And the homeowner said to me, what power do we need to run to the pump at the back? And I said, I don't know. And they said, well, what kind of power do you need? I said, okay, well, last time I had a pool, an above ground pool, this was, this is an in-ground pool we're standing by, but an above ground pool that I had in my life. I said, it was like a 120 plug. It just plugged into the wall like anything else. And they went, oh, great. Then they took that information and ran 120 to the back when really they needed 240 or 220 or whatever the runs a dryer to run the pump for this pool because it had a spa. So when that all comes out that you can't turn the pump on, everyone's coming to me because they're like, well, you said 120. And I'm like, I said I wanted nothing to do with this. And it says that I have no- nothing to do with this in my contract. Like, like I, but admittedly, I did say my old above ground pool had a 120 pump. Like, I did say that. Like, and so I don't know, the cost to get the 240 to the back was like five grand. This is a big job we're doing, right? And so I just, I called the homeowner and I said, listen, like, I'll, I'm going to accept some of this, I guess. Because you really should have accepted none of it. Like I agree. I agree with you. But in, yeah. in the name of saying, I want to get my last yeah. payment, I want to pack up the job. It's the last yeah. thing we're doing. I want the pool to run before we leave because I just think that that's the right thing to do. I said, why don't we split it 50-50? And she said, okay. She totally, you know, and that was fine. That's how I handled it then. 
as terms of a dollar figure, I guess it would depend on the size of the job. Gotcha. If I'm doing a $300 job and it's some $200 thing, I'd be like, yeah, no, bro. Like it's like, I get, I guess in the end though, I agree with you, Chad, hundred percent. Like I just, whenever something goes wrong for us, I just try to end the pain as quickly as possible. No matter yeah. What. Stop the bleeding, find somewhere where you can yeah. be in a better headspace, better profitability mm-hmm. space. Um, and I've had clients that I just didn't see eye to eye with at the end of it. And we'll give them to our best ability, what we can uh, go a little further and then get out and onto somewhere where we're all happier to be. You mentioned being able to like break down different tasks and keeping like your crew to a certain time allotted to certain tasks that you need to get done by. Uh, is that is that based on like you note taking from previous experiences to be like, hey, this is what we need to stick to in terms of our production rates? Is this ter- in terms of you pricing the job and knowing that you need to be able to do this to make this X amount of money? Uh, how do you kind of structure that? If uh, you can expand on that. So I was completely bullshitting, right? Like, I, I guess that wasn't clear. But no, like I don't take take. Uh, take account of how long it takes to put in edging or sanding or or cutting and all this shit. I mean, I've been doing this for mm, 17, 18 years now. Um, it's all in my dome. Like, I know, or I think I know at least how long it's going to take to put up the wall or glue the wall or glue, glue the caps or cut the caps or or cut in the border or something like that, right? Like, And even if I'm wrong, uh, it's fine if we're a little over, right? Like, um, I'm not a slave driver. Like the guys know what needs to get done. They're completely capable. Uh, They can do a great job at it. So what does it matter if it takes uh, a few hours or like Mike said, a day longer, um, as long as the client's happy with the results. Um, These things take time, right? Like, so how can you, can you push these guys to to work a little faster or harder? And it's 40 degrees one day and, uh, 21 degrees the next day, you know, like all these things uh, are going to change the timeline. So for me, um, I know a ton of people will disagree, but um, I just don't follow that whole mentality of uh, you got to stick to a certain timeline for a job or or, um, a certain mechanism to have uh, all of your processes dialed in. To me, like I just couldn't sleep at night if I was, thinking about how, how many hours it takes to do something. Um, it just takes what it takes and the job gets done and everybody's happy in the end and we're on to the next one. As we kind of come down to wraps on this episode, at least before we play a little bit of the Not Our Finest Hour podcast on the end of this podcast, I do have one last question that did come through. Um, it is a little bit more personal, so you guys definitely don't have to answer this. But I'll ask it because it came through. And that is uh, from Three Seasons Landscapes. Chris over there asks, what's the most amount of money each of you have had in your business bank accounts? Accounts receivable or? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a big difference there, baby. The yeah. Because that's I, a huge difference. Um, Ellie and I just went through how much money I'm owed. Like we're owed yeah. as of today. Yeah. I'll pull that that's up not right in our too. bank account. But okay. I can, like, I'm not, like, it's personal. Like, I guess it is a personal question, but like. Yeah, you don't have to answer So the most, the most, like. Way to... I, I'll play ball with that every day. I don't care. Yeah, I, I'm I don't willing care. to like, go, like, 
you, there's so about, much you don't know, let, right? Like yeah. how much of that is profit, how much of that is right. materials out, how yeah. much of that is wages, how much is like, it's completely, it really doesn't matter. It's not my bottom line or anything like that. So um, like for us currently, we have one client that owes us $375,000. That's one client. And that's one client. And then we probably have another 250000 owing on top of that. That's our, that's what we're, that's where we stand right now as a company in the I bank, am. in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. How much is it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's all coming, yeah. right? But in the <laughs> bank, like we could like tomorrow's Tuesday, there's probably a bunch of people that didn't like, especially with the trucking items, there's a bunch of people that didn't pay us on Friday because it was a long weekend. They were going away. Totally get it. Totally understand. Tuesday morning rolls around. We might collect $30,000 on Tuesday in yeah. one day, like just because of the trucking thing, we, you know, we have a residential job that's finishing up like a large, large scale residential job. We're finishing up. Like it just, it's an ebb and flow of the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Like it's, um, where, where are you? <laughs> so I'll like reading right off the accounting uh, software due right now, 149,000 um, overdue right now. That's past 60 days. Uh, 250,000 with another 200,000 that hasn't been invoiced yet. So what does that make for six, 600 K? I think you're beating, think you're beating me. Wow. <laughs> I think you're winning. It's not a pissing contest. Right? I know. I owe more money or no. more money. No. Like it's not about that at all. You're anyway. winning a bad race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The moral of the story is commercial contracting can sometimes suck and it really doesn't matter uh, what your numbers are as long as you're profitable and you're having a good time, right? And you're having a good time. I honestly have the theory that if I wake up one day and no one owes me money, I'm Yeah. Like, and I get that goes against a lot. Like, I think it's more of a commercial mindset. Chad, then it was like residential, you finish the job, you get paid. If someone owes you money, you're fine because you should have been paid. The job's over. Um, But commercial, I, and even with the trucking, if I wake up one day and no one owes me any money, I've like, all that stuff is payable 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Like I'm, that means I did no work for some period of time. And I'm absolutely screwed because I won't have any money that I can call to collect. Um, Well, I would never, that's a really false misnomer there. Kelly would call to collect. I would never ever call someone to collect money. It's totally not my, but I just, um, you know, if someone, if the, I wake up and no one owes us money, I know I'm totally screwed. Yeah. Totally screwed. I would, that would, people owing us money does not bother me at all. I, I don't even think about it. I just get up every day and I go back to work. Yeah. But if no one owed us money, I wouldn't sleep at night. I would be yeah. staring at the sky all night. Like if the jobs board was empty, then I would worry a lot more than I do with uh, money owing to us, right? Yeah. Like if that jo- if I look up here on my job board and I see like two jobs instead of fifty jobs, then that's yeah, you're right. That's the that's the scary part for sure. 
Well, Mike and Chad, we do need to get to recording our next episode of the Not Our Finest Hour podcast. So after this interview, immediately after, you're going to be listening to a segment from the Not Our Finest Hour podcast, a segment where Mike's audio is pristine, not one of those episodes where you could uh, complain about it. So before we get into playing that episode, Mike, Chad, I want to ask you guys for closing comments, remarks, anything that you would want to leave the How to Hardscape audience with. As well as, or or besides that, what would you do? What would you say to prepare someone to listening to the Not Our Finest Hour podcast? What would you give them in terms of priming them to begin to listen to this Not Our Finest Hour podcast? Mike, do you want to kick things off here? Uh, so my, my life advice is run the business that makes you happy, not the business that makes someone on Instagram happy. That's my life advice. And then... Uh, I would tell you to make sure that you don't have little people listening in the truck with you. If you're going to listen to the uh, not our finest hour podcast, because uh, it is definitely not a hold back podcast. So, and it's uh, talking like people actually talk. So, but that was, that would be my advice. Run the business that makes you happy. Not the business that makes some other dude on Instagram happy. Excellent. Excellent advice. Both pieces there and Chad on to you. Okay. Um, advice. Um, I'd say go out and work harder. Whatever you're doing, you can probably work just a little bit harder. Uh, that's what we've always tried to do, as long as you're still having fun doing it. Um, work a little bit harder. You'll find you make a little bit more money, and um, soon you won't be worried about counting your pennies. Um, the dollars find themselves. Um, as far as the podcast goes, um, it's a little more raw or a lot more raw than maybe what... Um, a lot of you guys are, are used to listening to you, uh, not so polished. I think uh, that says a lot about the three of us, um, but it's honestly a blast to record. So hopefully you guys um, love what you're listening to or sort of gravitate towards it a little bit. Um, I'm sure you've all had some terrible experiences as contractors. Um, you know, we definitely have. So um, hopefully you can uh, ride along with us this so now we're just going to turn it over to a 10 minute or so segment from the not our finest hour podcast from an episode coming up we already have four or five episodes released and we have episodes coming out every friday and sometimes even saturdays so without further ado we'll just turn it on over to the not our finest hour podcast whenever i have people who are worried about the cost of pavers I always say the same thing to them. The patio is irrelevant. It's who you sit on the patio with. That's deep. Dang. Is that's this still deep. part of the, is this like our extended hour? Cause like, yeah, that just I guess made that's the it. podcast. I guess that's <laughs> I've, I've said that for like 10 or 50, cause people like feel bad. Cause they'll flip open the catalog to something that costs 10 or $12 a square foot. And they'll be like, I want that. And I'll be like, eh, like, I'm just letting you know, like, that's 10 or $12 a square foot. And you're talking like you have a thousand square feet here. Like, just letting you know, like, you ta- you're, you know, you're expanding your cost of your favorites by $4,000. Yeah. picking that. If it's worth it to you, I'm not here to judge. I'm just letting you know. And they'll be upset. And they really, and I'm like, does it like honestly really matter? Like, what the patio is made out of, as long as it's a functional space that drains well and, who's on the patio with you matters more but that's like the great that's like the greatest secret of the industry the greatest secret of the industry is like when people look at the 
the ads for pavers, they look at all the people enjoying themselves on the patio. They don't look at the fucking inlay in the patio. The yeah. same as like, like if a driveway is four by eight pavers and there's four cars parked on it, no one knows that it's four by eight pavers or if it's the fucking fan driveway because all they see is the four cars parked on it. Like it's, there's, a, there's an endless amount of stuff that all of us do that we are only doing for when another landscaper walks by or drives by. You're right. I think you just added too much value to this. Uh, oh, God, please. <laughs> this portion of the show. If that doesn't that, get us that was three deep. more listeners. <laughs> that was deep. I don't know that's what else. Will. More, wow. yeah, that's three more listeners. Yeah. <laughs> wow. People I, I, are getting... I drive by and look at stuff like we we did this like really sick job like oh, I was like two hundred seventy five thousand dollar job and like I don't know like two thousand eleven which back then was like crazy money like crazy money right to me anyways in two thousand eleven um, and I go back the driveway is still mint because we you know we did it the right way and I've been back I've done a couple things around the house since but like every time I go there the driveway is sick but it's got like five cars parked on it so i'm like i'm gonna go by and take a picture of that house and i go by i'm like oh there's a picture of five cars on the fucking driveway sick glad i spent so much time on that motherfucker <laughs> like i just ah, oh, yeah. people cover shit in patio front like yeah yeah like our our patio at home we did it last year it's built out of a discontinued colored paver uh odd that's autumn red which I actually like the color. I used it on a few jobs because I thought it was a unique color. It's not like the old school red. It's got yeah, a, I like that red actually. Actually, really, yeah, I did. I, it's got a nice beige in it. It was so. Anyways, our patio's this autumn red paver because it was discontinued, and I got a good deal on it. And uh, and I and I when I was building it, I was like, yeah, I don't care if I'm sitting out here with my wife and my kids or whatever. Like, no one's gonna be like, this red patio is totally ruining my experience in your backyard. <laughs> I'm never coming back here <laughs> because your patio is autumn red. I like, I'm literally never coming to your yard. I, I can't stand being in this yard. I, no one's ever said that. So I, can't so. I guess we, you, did, it, we did this autumn red. We it was a, a, an entranceway with a driveway apron, but the guy had a big like storm sewer because it was one of those driveways that, or uh, one of those garages that are underneath the house with the driveway pitching. So we did this big uh, autumn red inlay around this storm sewer, but it looked like a butthole that was irritated (laughs) because it was like a fiery red around this like rusted manhole. (laughs) The client didn't like, we didn't tell that to the client, but. All we could think of was like a, an irritated butthole. Speaking of weird, driveway. one of the most disappointing moments of my whole landscaping career. I, we we did this huge patio, and in the patio were two catch basins. And I can This was a long time ago, before all these like wrought iron, rusted things were in style. And I convinced this homeowner to pay for these wrought iron drains that patina that look like a sun in the middle of the patio. I mean, they're fucking beautiful. And so we put them in the patio and they had that we got on the roof and I have pictures from up above and I have pictures like I should, I'm going to find them and post them and mention them because these things were just so fucking perfect. And they were patinaing. 
They looked amazing. They were, it was before that rust thing was really in style. Cause this was like 2010, maybe I think we did this as a long time ago. And I was so happy with them. And I went by one day to meet them about doing some project out front. And I went in the backyard and they had fucking spray painted them black because they didn't like the rust. <laughs> I was like, it looks like plastic. It looks like a plastic sun. Like, why would you do that? It looks like a weird black plastic sun. I was like, it was so perfect before. And they were like, well, we didn't like them and it's our house. And I'm like, now I say to people all the time, it's your house. I'm going to be here for yeah. a brief time. Yeah. We'll, we'll build what you want. Like, because I learned my lesson with the rusting suns. I don't find that it was just, they're just so epically like, because there's this has like a, a granite stairway going up, like natural granite stairway on one side. And then we used real cobblestones as the border because she didn't want fake cobblestones. So we actually cut cobblestones in half down to 60 mil. Well, some of them we cut twice to get them 60 mil and laid them around. It's the job is epic project. Minus she wouldn't let us get rid of the concrete ring around the pool, but whatever, I digress. At <laughs> these like perfect, I mean, perfect suns. And they just spray painted them black with trem clad. <laughs> trem cladded those motherfuckers. I was like, oh my God. Like, you're breaking my heart. Like, because when people came over and sat on the deck, they'd be looking down at this, like the, the, the drains that was, should have been ugly. The drains that should have been ugly and been a huge deterrent to the whole job became like the highlight of the project. And now they've gone back to looking like cheap plastic black drains. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, well. Do we, have, do we have enough for the extra episode? We may have extended it enough for that extra episode. I think I think, so. I think he gave him too much with those comments, though well, that insight. At least, yeah, <laughs> at least with that comment, like even if this is a, a three-minute episode, we're good. <laughs> we're good. They got they at least got something out of that. Yeah. Download yeah. this for a three-minute commentary. <laughs> so should we announce this is the end? Because I want now I think we need to make a conscious point. Yeah. Because we have to do what the listeners want. This is the, we announced the end once, but then we didn't end. So now this is the end of the second end of the third end of the side order of ending right now. Right now. This well, there's, there's a whole nother thing is, is in like this podcast never ends. Like every episode, you know, it's, it's kind of like when we hang up the towel, when we call it quits, that's when we'll give you your, your outro, right? <laughs> Hang on. When our incredible wealth from being 235th most downloaded <laughs> podcast divides us and we can't we can't divide the wealth because we didn't give proper credit like you like um the lead singer of U2 did. What's his fucking name? Bono. 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 He gave writing credit to everyone in the band so they wouldn't break up over money. But he wrote all the songs. Mike, do we get writing credit on all these episodes, me and Chad? Why wouldn't we all get writing credit? Like, <laughs> everyone's talking. Like I just everyone's talking. Why wouldn't we all get writing credit? Like 
I'm just I'm just saying that he did that so the band wouldn't break up. So when we get rich from this podcast, when we're Joe Roganing we're this not motherfucker, break up. Yeah. we're moving this to we will we will. I don't know if you guys saw my note, but when I get deplatformed like Tate, I'm who's that? Is that the Andrew Tate? Oh yeah, I have a daughter. I saw that. Top, top G. I like I don't know anything about him other than he he speaks poorly about women and. He actually doesn't. If you listen doesn't. to everything, See, I, don't, says, but, <laughs> I don't. know. He does while well, he speaks. Anyways, he's the top G, and he got deplatformed. So I'm like, am I going to get deplatformed? Find me over on Rumble. I don't even know what the fuck that is. Like they're like, get him on Rumble, and I'm like, I don't even know what Rumble is. I don't follow him anyways. He just came in my TikTok five thousand. Is that like Grinder? No, I, I just found out what Rumble was this weekend. Because I don't know what it is. exactly what Mike's saying there. It's just like a YouTube for anybody. Like they don't, they don't uh, take anybody off. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Do you want to hear a funny story that I heard? This is this still part of the episode? Uh, or is this, yeah, this is fine. I, this is extending okay. the extended episode. Okay. About Andrew Tate. So a guy that a guy, a guy that works for us. This was years ago. That uh, someone just told me the story. Was joined Bumble, which is like a dating app, I guess. I didn't know this, yeah. but it's some kind of dating app. And you get Bumble points, and the more Bumble points you get, the more it introduces you to women. So one of the ways, one of the ways to get Bumble points is this is like you're really getting a bonus episode here because now we're talking about a dating app. <laughs> yeah. This is where the real business advice comes from on this. <laughs> I just I just need to say the way you mentioned that, like the more Bumble points you get, it starts introducing you to women. So it's like you got to start off with the men first. <laughs> way through the men, so and this then is... you start to get points. And then it's like, okay, now it's. <laughs> so this is how it was explained to me. One of the ways to get some Bumble points is to let Bumble send an email or a text to everyone in your in your phone and your Rolodex or whatever they call it, your contacts. If you hit yes, you get a lot of you get Bumble points for every single person that gets invited to Bumble by you, and then you get more when they join. Unfortunately, if you hit that button, it also sends that to your wife. Oh. <laughs> thank you for listening to today's podcast episode once again go check out that not our finest hour podcast if you want more from what you just heard in these last 10 minutes here and thank you to our sponsor cycle cpa for sponsoring today's episode if you need cfo services accounting bookkeeping whatever it might be check them out cyclecpa.com mention how to hardscape to get 200 off your services there and we look forward to meeting with you next week on the how to hardscape podcast